Blog Talk Radio. GPG or even an R-rated show. So, if bad language, dirty talk, bodily functions, or anything else that might come out of my mouth might be offensive to you, this may not be the show for you. But if you don't care about any of that, which I hope you don't, come sit by us because we're going to have a good time. Because uh, we've got a really cool just hangout this afternoon. We've got a couple of them. We're going to be hanging out in a minute with the incredible Jason Mankey, and then we are going to be hanging out a little later this afternoon. With the awesome, talented, and beautiful Sharon Knight, um, who I've been trying to get on with us just to hang out for the longest time. And, hey, she had nothing else to do, so I was like, right on. <laughs> now you do. <laughs> but before we get to that, Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the incredible, utterly wicked one herself, Dorothy Morrison, www.wickedwitchstudios.com. This is the month of Dorothy. It's her birthday month. It is the month of her re-release of Utterly Wicked, forward written by Amy Blackthorne with new cover art. Get yourself a copy. It's a little bit smaller than the original uh, release. It fits better in my purse. Just putting that out there in case you need to carry it with you. And the other one might have been a little too big for you, but that's fine. if you need Dorothy's products shipped overseas, check out theangrycauldron.com. They also carry their own line of great pagan goods. And Dorothy is doing her mystery boxes. Yes, they are coming in four different varieties, with or without reading. Well, not reading, card pulp to let her know what she needs to get for you. Um, and it also comes with or without Utterly Wicked. It also comes in a large or a small. So check it out. Get on Dorothy's social media page, wickedwitchstudios.com on Facebook, and check it out. They are going fast. A lot of the, a lot of stuff, man. She's just pulling yeah. things. She pulled for me perfectly. It was pretty fantastic. So, you know, you can't go wrong. We, she's been doing this for quite a while now, and Dorothy has great stuff, as always. But anyway, so welcome to us. Happy you're here. And uh, is our guest in the queue? Yes, he is. Let's bring him on. on. Yeah. Hi. Good morning. It's 10 a.m. here on the West Coast. I just woke up like four minutes ago. (laughs) Timing is everything. That's all right. Listen, we were just excited. We're, I, listen, you're you're alive and kicking, which is good, and we're just happy to have you back on so soon. It's like, you know, Jason Mankey, not for nothing, and I'm going to talk about you, so just sit tight a second. Oh, Jason Mankey <laughs> is not just a great author and not just 
a great pagan, but he is also a stand-up dude and a good friend. And, you know, when I said, hey, <laughs> you want to come back on? He said yes. And, you know, he didn't have to say yes, but I'm, I'm pleased as punch that he did. And we love you. We think the world of you. So we're happy well, to have you, you for all. another hour. Yeah, well, you know, we we think you're pretty uh, awesome. So, you know, it's been kind of weird, and I know a lot of folks are home, and a lot, I know a lot of folks are not even really noticing that anything's going on because they're home anyway. So what's been going yeah. on with you? What's happening? I saw you restarted your podcast, which I found very exciting. You want to talk about that for a bit? Yeah, well, I used to do a podcast thing on Pagans Tonight Radio, which mm-hmm. Selena Fox was on Pagans Tonight. There were a lot of people on there, and they ran programming like twice a day, like all uh-huh. like for three hours every evening or something like that. And I kind of ended up doing that. And then the person who owned the channel station, Pagans Tonight, he was like, oh, I'm just going to stop for a while and reorganize. And then never heard anything for like two years, you know, just kind of shocked. And wow. Yeah, it was really strange. It was really strange. I mean, he was paying for it all though. So, I mean, I get it. Maybe it was not working out. Maybe didn't have enough sponsors. I mean, I certainly never had a sponsor for my show. I don't think so. Maybe that was it. And so he stopped. And then the woman who managed the station her name was Pamela Kelly, and so there was like a different person kind of running operations. She's always like, oh, mm-hmm. I want to I want to start things again. I want to do it again. And so eventually I just kind of gave in. But I thought during the pandemic was a good time just because I think people are bored and want things to do. And I don't do anything really behind like a Patreon wall or anything, which is fine for people. I'm just in the place where I don't need to do that. So I was like, I'll start it up and give people something to listen to and give myself something to do because it's kind of boring right now during the pandemic thing. Yeah. Well, sort of. I mean, (laughs) we've been kind of busy because folks folks haven't been able to do festivals. So we're like, Oh, well, you know, you've got free time now. Come on and talk to us and, and, and tell us what you've been doing. So we're kind of doing like a, you know, a festival outreach, as it were. You know, our our thing, Mystic South, got canceled this week, so we're not going to Atlanta. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you know what? We know all the people that were going to be there, so let's just uh, start having them on. You know, because folks are losing a lot of money, and yeah. it's got to be scary if that is how you make your living. I can't even imagine. I mean, I've still got a day job, which I actually like. But if I had to rely on festivals and this happened, I don't know what I'd do. So we're just trying to keep people's names out there. Yeah, I'm pretty worried about a lot of people that I know who do – they vend on the festival circuit or they're musicians, and they tend to make more money than authors on the festival circuit. Artists do pretty well, and – you know, that is a huge part of their income. I mean, losing Paganicon in March, I know, hurt some of my friends. Losing Mystic mm-hmm. South is going to hurt. And, you know, all the other 100 in between there. You know, some of these yeah. things are moving online, which is great, I guess, for some of the teachers and even maybe some of the bands. But the artists, you can't really be an artist online or a vendor online and go to a virtual festival. I don't know. Would you like take your phone around? Here's how my table would have looked at the festival. 
you know, had everything yeah. been set up. <laughs> I'm not sure that works the same way, right? Well, right. I mean, it could, but it, the volume yeah. is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's maybe, like, um, I, because I, I used to, you know, I, I, I'm an author as well. And uh, some of the uh, circuits, you know, I ran into quite a few people. And I have a friend, John, who is, um, he does a lot of artwork here in Charlotte. And what he would do is he would set up a canvas and just start working on something, you know, to attract people. So, I don't know, maybe that would be an option, you know, kind of teach how to paint or show the process. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I worry about people. Yeah, I've done a couple online things, like the what Aquarian Tabernacle Church up in Washington on the West Coast. Ooh. They do this thing called the Spring Mysteries every year with, you know, like redoing the Illusion Mysteries with Persephone and Demeter and there's Dionysus and some things. And oh. since they couldn't do that physical thing, they just did a bunch of Greek workshops and I did one on pan. It was like the first time I'd ever done anything like that. And it's kind of fun, but it's also really weird because when I teach and do things, I like the give and take of the audience. I want to hear people laugh. I want to hear people involved. And when you're doing a workshop in your office, I mean, it's just completely quiet. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's just not the same. The dick jokes just don't flow. (laughs) because No one's laughing at them. <laughs> it's true though. Oh. I mean, if you're used to working off the energy of an audience, like any musician, you know, and I did that another lifetime ago, but you know, if you are if you're used to feeding off the energy of an audience, which most of our people really are, it's kind of hard to do in con- what feels like in solitary confinement because you're not even working off your co-presenter if you have one and it's it's a little bit daunting when you're not getting the feedback and reading feedback as it scrolls on Facebook or online on YouTube or whatever it is it's not the same <laughs> it's not the same but no yeah. so yeah it's got to be difficult so I mean but the only thing we could think to do and and I'm actually going to um I'm going to open my Zoom page after our experiment next Saturday night. We're going to do a um, we're going to do a virtual dinner party on on <laughs> Zoom next week. Mm-hmm. And uh, if if that goes well, um, I may open it up for folks to come on in and be interactive and maybe do. We might start doing another show on Zoom as well as. Uh, face as as well as blog talk radio but i've got to see how it works i'm first experimenting with it right now and setting it up and checking all that out so yeah (laughs) so we're going to see what happens with that so we're trying to come up with other ways of communicating and actually seeing people when you can't be near them which is really hard we're physical folks i mean i can't imagine not seeing you without hugging you. It's just weird. It, it's it's a strange thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've been giving it a lot of thought, like, when we start going back to things. You know, I I don't work outside the house, so, I like, the only person I really see with any regularity is Ari. That's my wife. 
And mm-hmm. now when we go on walks and I see another person, I like tense up and like move yeah. 10 yards down the street. And what's it going to be like that first time I go to a festival and I have to teach to 50 or 60 people or something in a room, you know, and everyone's crowded in and people are coming up and wanting to hug her. Is that going to be how we act like this had never happened or you know, are we going to socially distance with everything that we do? Or are we going to go to a festival in a year and people are going to be wearing masks as they walk around? You know, it's, there's so many unanswered questions. And yeah. also, like, how are we going to react as people when we get dropped in these situations? Are we going to pick up where we left off or is it going to be something completely new and a completely different way of interacting I don't know. If it stay if things stay the way they are now, first of all, we won't be going back to being in person for quite some time. If things start to ease up and they come up with a vaccination that's worth anything, um, which it may or may not be, I mean, and I will be there happily to take the vaccination. Vaccinations don't bother me. I do the flu every year because I interact I interact with the public in my daily life, so I kinda have to. Um But as far as how we're going to act when we're in person again, it all depends. It all depends on when it is. It all depends on the size of the group. It all depends on where it's going to be. Because I will tell you honestly, I feel a lot more comfortable in certain states than others. Like I would do it here in North Carolina. You know, so, I mean, there's that to think about as well. But, I mean, is it going to be a situation where, okay, we'll all wash our hands first, and then we can hug but not kiss, like pat each other on the shoulder. There's going to have to be, I mean, we're human. We need physical interaction with the people we care about. So, I mean, I can't imagine not seeing my sister and not hugging her. That's like it doesn't even compute. It doesn't compute the way seeing my son every night, of course I'm going to hug and kiss him. He's, you know, my loved one. So, yeah, it's going to be weird. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I tell Ari, I tell Ari when she gets home, you know, like you go sit in that chair and I'm going to sit over here and you can look into my eyes for a while, but any more than that is just too much. Yeah. You know, you need to be two, two sheeps, two sheeps away at all times. Oh my God. <laughs> You're hilarious. I mean, <laughs> so yeah, we have friends saying ways? that now. It's funny. That's that is very funny. Two sheeps is is that like the what we're supposed to say now? We're supposed to keep two sheeps away. You know how I do those fake Sabbath things on the I did, on yes. Facebook. Yeah, yeah, this year it was like here's an old text from a plague written by druids, and one of the things was. You must stay two sheeps away from people at all times. Three sheeps if the blood of the moon is upon a woman. And I, I mean, we just thought it was really funny. And I owe Thorn Mooney credit for blood of the moon. She came up. The blood of the moon is upon me is a Thorn Mooney line. But it's just really ridiculous. Like somebody said, you should make shirts with like two sheeps. Like, no, probably should not. No, I think that would indicate things that we don't want to say. <laughs> that might not be the appropriate message. <laughs> so are you offering, you had mentioned something about offering classes. Are, you're doing classes online, is this correct? 
Yeah, for uh, various places. I did one for a bookstore uh, called uh, Hex a couple weeks ago. I'm doing things for the Pagan Unity Festival, Puff. They're moving their festival online, and I'm doing workshops there. They have a great lineup of speakers at that. I mean, they've got uh, Janet Farrar is going to be there, Christopher Penzak. I mean, if you just go through the list, it's really incredible, (laughs) and it's only 50 bucks for the entire weekend. Uh, so I was really honored to be asked to be a part of that. I went to Puff last year, and they're mm-hmm. really good folks. I mean, I'd do anything for about any festival, really, but because um, I think almost all of them are run by people that I like. So I'm doing that. I'm going to do a free workshop sometime soon because I want to uh-huh. do something that's not behind a pay gate. Just, mm-hmm. you know, give people something to do. Yeah, that's very, that's so awesome of you to like give back to the community that way. That's really pretty awesome. A lot of folks have not even entertained that idea. Some folks have, but yeah, I mean, and I listen for the folks who can do it that way. That's great, but of course, I understand. You know, folks got to make a living too, and it's hard. I mean, when you again, when you are used to going and seeing people in person and selling your stuff. And then all of a sudden, that's taken out from under you. I can't even imagine. It's got to be nightmare. I mean, we're 20% unemployment soon. I mean, that's a number that really only existed during the Great Depression. And, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's going to be hard. And it's not just all going to suddenly come back. It's going to take years before it to all come back. It's, it's going to be a hard road. And it's going to be a hard road for a lot of people and I'm really scared. I think some of this is going to get worse before it gets better. I mean, I keep seeing, like, those pictures of full bars and, and stuff. I mean, they're not even, like, sitting far away from people in states yeah. that have opened up. And it just feels like mm-hmm. all the things that we've done are just going to be thrown out the window because people are not taking this very seriously. Well, you know, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, sis. Go ahead, sis. I'm sorry. No, I was just I was just gonna say it, it's it's like you know um, you know putting away your parachute when you're like halfway down. Yeah. You know exactly. It's insane. Really. But by the same token, when people are being given conflicting information on a daily basis, you know, yeah. I mean, unless unless you're an avid reader and you're actually paying attention to the science of what's happening, you know. You don't know who to talk. You know, you don't know who to follow. You don't know who to believe, and it's got to be hard for a lot of folks. You know, because even in my own office, and we've got people from all sides of the political fence, and and it's like everyone is saying something different. Every single person. One person says masks are bullshit. Somebody says social distancing is bullshit. Somebody says the chip is going to be in the vaccination. I mean, really? (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry. Social media does a lot of good. Social media has the potential to do a lot of good, but it's also just a swamp of disinformation. And you can find an article that proves your bias online, and it looks just as real as anything else, like a legitimate news source, and it's telling you what you want to hear, so you take that to heart. And all of a sudden, we've got 15 different ideas of what's going on. And I don't think people maliciously 
like believe that the chip is coming into their bodies. For whatever reason, believing that kind of thing makes them feel in control of the situation. So I'm mean, going to have a lot of sympathy uh, for people who kind of get duped into the conspiracies. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. that they're doing it because they're bad people or even that they're uninformed people. There are smart people who believe some of these things. It's just sort of the environment that we live in. We've been told for years by certain parties and groups that the media lies mm-hmm. to us, government is mm-hmm. bad. You take all mm-hmm. that together, you have this group of people who trust nothing. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. I, and I totally agree with what you just said. I mean, but it's kind of scary. There has to be a point where some common sense comes into play, but I'm finding yeah. that that's not necessarily true either. So I'm kind of like yeah. whistling in the dark too, you know. I'm hoping that maybe I have a clue, but I don't know if I have a clue. I'm just assuming based on scientific information that, you know, we need to do as much to protect each other as possible, even though, you know, wearing the mask may not protect me from getting it. It might protect you from getting it from me, you know. And then the whole thing about the droplets. Listen, I was at a doctor's office yesterday, and I was telling sis this last night, and, you know, the woman who does the financial stuff for the doctor's practice walked up to the front desk Instead of lifting the bottom part of her mask to talk, she pulled the mask down and was just blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, do you not realize that you are spraying yourself all over everybody? So I actually tell the doctor to uh, let her person know that maybe she doesn't want to do that in public just yet. So she's like, oh, my goodness, okay, I'll talk to her. But, I mean, people are just – they're not even using the tools correctly, so how much can I really expect at this point, you know? Yeah. Uh, one thing I like is I live in California, and we still have a lot of rules in place, and most people have been pretty good about them, and mm-hmm. I don't have to really see anybody else other than Ari, and I always make her stay two or three sheeps away anyway, so it's pretty... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to adopt that. that. That's getting switched into the vernacular from now on. I love it. I'm always happy to help. I'm here. I'm always here for you all. Uh, and we love we you for that. appreciate you so much. <laughs> I live 40 miles south of San Francisco, so Northern California, the Bay Area, Silicon Valley. I live like right in the middle of Silicon Valley. Mm. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, it has been nicer. People aren't driving as much, so the air. Yeah, I mean, there's some of that here too. I mean, there have been protests here. The protests in the L.A. area have been bigger, but there have been some here, and Sacramento isn't too far away from us, two hours mm-hmm. on a good day if traffic works. There are a couple counties up in that area who have ignored the governor's orders for the shelter-in-place uh-huh. order and have been, like, opening things, and they just don't care. You know, there's a very kind of red streak through the middle of California that nobody talks about now, and like, there's yeah, some counting. of the problems. 
What's that? Like Orange County? Uh, not Orange County. More like in the rural areas, like where they grow all the food and stuff. Uh, we call okay. it the Central Valley. And, okay. you know, that's yeah. a big Republican stronghold, really. And a lot of people who, you know, are anti-government and they're ignoring some of the things. I mean, they're a minority of the population, but it's California, so there's still a lot of them, right? I mean, it's a sure. huge-ass state. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, not too far from us, there are these things that are still kind of happening. Wow. Yeah, I guess, you know, when you are when you live in a big city, you've always got those resentful outlets nearby that are like, oh, you damn liberals, <laughs> you know. Um, we've heard a lot of that here, too. A lot of people are pissed at our governor because he's just not opening things fast enough. And I'm like, I understand how you feel and, you know, as much as I would like everything to open back up, I don't want people to die either. So I yeah. get that it's a hardship, but, you know, I don't know. Is it worth it to just say, okay, we're going to open and, and put people at risk like that? It just seems rather foolish, but I'm not a government official. I don't know. I don't know what the right thing to do is. I don't know how it should happen. I mean, I get the frustration that people feel. And, you know, I feel the frustration, too. I'm so desperate for sports. I've watched marble racing on TV and the National Cornhole Championship. I mean, I have just – my world is upside down without basketball and hockey this time of year. And, you know, so I understand. But, you know, my worry is that we've made progress and we're going to open everything up and then all the progress is going to disappear and then we'll have to do this again, maybe for longer. You know, it's just – Let's get it done, ride it out, and then be safe and kind of get on with whatever that new reality is going to be. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. But until a vaccination actually comes out, until enough people, until everybody can be tested, I'm not going to feel safe no matter what. You know? No. Yeah. That's true. It's tricky. It's really tricky, and, you know, I don't like seeing people suffer because when people suffer, they do desperate things, you know. It gets scary out there. So, I'm, you know, I listen, like I said, I haven't got a clue. I'm not smart enough to know. All I can tell you is I'm smart enough to know that I don't fucking know. That's about it. Hello. There's just yeah, there's no easy answers, you know. This is unprecedented yeah. in our lives. Yeah, that is true. Hopefully we yeah. won't have to go through this again, but I'm afraid that that is not going to be the actual case. I think we are going to go through this again. There's a lot of talk about it happening again in the fall. That's not going to be fun, considering we will have just started to make some kind of progress by that time, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I'm fearful because a lot of, I mean, I've talked to a guy who works at a hotel locally, and he was almost in tears because he had to cut his own hours to give his staff time to work so they could make any amount of money. It's it's really frightening for folks. I, I feel for them. I, I just wish I had more answers, and I don't. So, you know. 
the best we can do is, you know, just try to keep folks entertained a little bit like we do on the weekends and, you know, try to encourage artists to come on, you know, writers, musicians, jugglers, painters, whoever wants <laughs> Jugglers. I actually I do have a friend who's a juggler. He's a pyro juggler. He juggles fire. Not surprised. <laughs> I just wanted to have a juggler on as a guest. And the okay. juggler go, okay, now listen to this, and starts juggling. <laughs> Pictures. I mean, that is possible. Or we could ask people to use their imagination. You know, that's also yeah. a possibility, I suppose. Oh, Imagine five Imagine. giant razor blades all on fire, and right now yeah. I'm juggling them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the most incredible juggling event you've ever heard. Ever. You know, that would be that's really fun. And we'll never see. You will only ever hear it. You will never see it. So at least you know. That'll have to be a part of the asking... Zoom show. Oh gosh, yeah, maybe. We'll see how that works. Jason, <laughs> would you be willing to juggle for us? No, I would not. Okay. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> You'd be amazed at what people want to see these days. I mean, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, the porn industry in and of itself must be on its head as far as, you know, strippers and, you know, girls doing extra things for money. I feel for these people because, you know, that's how a lot of people make their living. You know? Yeah. You know, nobody thinks about the damn prostitutes. What the hell? <laughs> Give them some I love know. and assistance. Yeah, what is it? They've got, they've got, um, oh, I don't even know what the app is called, but there's a lot of people, you know, it's like you pay for nudes. You know, they're doing oh, little shows and everything. Yeah. Yeah, can't, can't you, but that would be on the internet anyway. I'm talking about, you know, real live action where yeah. that's what you're there for, you know, I mean. I feel bad for a lot of these, you know, we know a lot of people who are in alternate fields, you know. Yeah, yeah and the, the government bailout did not cover those people. It was very explicit that if you worked as a stripper or something like that, you were not going to get any bailout money. Which is ridiculous. Is that's, ridiculous. That's it's a job. Work. Yeah. It's legal work. Yeah. And they deserve to be protected just as much as the rest of us. Agreed. In some cases, they need a lot more protection than the rest of us. I mean, it's just the system is just not set up to take care of the people. You know, it's full of judgment and Christian values. And if you're not one of them, you get shit on, which makes me a little crazy. But then again, I was raised by these people. So, I, you know what I mean? It's... They're never going to be, you know, all of their quote-unquote Christian charity is a bunch of crap for most of them. Not all of them. There are some good folks, absolutely. Um, But a lot of them, it's lip service, really. Pretty much. So what are you doing to keep yourself occupied, Jason, aside from the the podcast? Yeah, I've got book projects, which is good. Um, the 
seventh, what is it, my seventh book is The Horned uh-huh. God of the Witches. And I turned yep. it in in April, and I kind of have to do the second draft by July 7th. And uh-huh. so that's something to do. And then I have an eighth book that's in the wings. So there's, there's writing to, you know, to fill some of my time. And I got a lot of that Horn God book written during the quarantine. And I hated writing it for whatever reason. Some books come together more easily than others. But I was very mm-hmm. happy for the distraction. Sure. Yeah. You know, and getting to play in a sandbox with Pan and Cronos is not the worst thing that could happen to me. Yeah. So uh, that's exciting. And I'm really thrilled about the book now that I've kind of gotten the first part, the first huge chunk of it done. I'm like, oh, this isn't as terrible as I think it is. Uh, so, <laughs> so that, well, you know, you're a writer and you write a book and, you know, while you're writing it, there's always sort of that self-doubt, I guess. Sure, yeah. I mean, that's how I feel, especially mm-hmm. writing a book that has never really been written before. And uh-huh. so when I'm writing, I'm like, does this really work? And I don't let anybody see my writing while I'm writing it. I don't share it with anybody. So right. when I finally send it in to my, my editor at Llewellyn, and she's like, oh, this is good. This is great. I didn't fall asleep once while reading it. You know, you feel so much better. <laughs> well, she, I follow, I follow her on Facebook, and shortly after I sent my book in, she like wrote something like, "I just fell asleep reading a manuscript on my couch," and I thought to myself, "Oh, oh my God, it's my manuscript, isn't it? We know it. It has to be mine." So I called her on it, and and she's like, "No, no, it definitely was not yours." I did not fall asleep once. So I felt good about that. Aw. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can't imagine any... within writers sometimes. Apparently. I mean, I can't imagine anybody falling asleep reading anything you've written. I mean, <laughs> and it has, it has happened to me where I have been, you know, doing some research or something, and you know, I'm reading something that somebody wants me to take a look at, and I'm like, I can't. I'm sorry. I just can't. It's either, you know, too professorial for me, or it's just not got a flow for me to grab onto. So, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that does happen, but I can't say that's ever happened with anything of yours. So, well, this book yeah. has, a, has a lot of history in it, and mm-hmm. you know, either people like reading history or they don't like reading history. There's usually very little in between, and yeah, a lot of witchcraft true. books or books geared towards witches, it's you know, that's more about you know, this is what we do or this is how to do it. It's not about mm-hmm. how we got to this place, and right. so you know, there's going to be some people who really like this book because of the history. And then there's going to be some people who are like, I just was looking for rituals, you know, and there are some in there, but it's a lot of history. So, you know, it's hard to say. But one thing I'll say, though, is that, you know, writers, sometimes you click with the writer for whatever reason Mm -hmm. you like the way this person writes, and maybe somebody else doesn't, and that's okay. It's why there are lots of books. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back in in my day, back in, you know, the dark ages – we only had about five writers. So if you kind of got what you got, and that's what you got, you know. Yeah. 
in the 90s, if you didn't like DJ Conway, too bad. Those were all the books. That's what you had yeah. a choice of. Yeah. Well, you that know, I think I Yeah, my my she... first one was Sarah Lydon Morrison. Was uh, you know, the the Witch's Book of Spells. I got like I think there was three books I got by her and yeah, it's it's cute looking back at them now. <laughs> I keep them for nostalgia because they were my first. <laughs> yeah, you got there. I mean, yeah. I, I remember I, reading I, a lot of about that. Yeah, sorry, Jason. Go ahead. I read a lot of Ted Andrews books when I started, just because they were the only thing in the New Age metaphysical section. Oh my gosh! Uh, really? Because <laughs> there were only like fifteen or twenty of those books like at Walden Books or whatever, yeah. like if you went to a mall bookstore. And, yeah. you know, so everybody ended up buying, what was it, Animal Speak at the time? And wow. I have books like How to Heal with Color that have no – I'm colorblind. Why did I buy that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Come back. You never know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I have – my book is uh, – the first thing I bought was The Complete Book of Witchcraft – it was a little paperback book. It was red. It had some ridiculous depiction of the devil on the cover. I still have it. And it is, oh boy, it's 45, 46 years old. And I went to see if I could get another copy of it. And it was some, and I mean, I think I spent like five bucks when I first bought it as a, you know, a young, young, young teenager. Actually, I don't even think I was a teenager at that time. And now it's like ridiculous. It's like $75. I'm like, are you crazy? Is that a Civil League book? Huh? Is it a Civil League book? No. The author? No. Uh, The author, let me get it because it's right over here. Hang on. Where is the book? I'm fascinated did, by the you know, this was one of my first, to be honest with you. I did have Diary of a Witch and another one of her books as well. Um, oh, and I read a lot of Patricia Crowther. Do you remember her? Yeah. Yeah, she's still um, alive. She's still active and doing she, stuff. Yeah, oh, she's in her cool. 90s. She lives in. Wow. She's in a retirement home in England, but she still talks to other witches and does things. Oh, that's neat. So I read oh, her stuff, and I read the Budapest back in the day, before you know the incident. Um, but yeah, um, the person who wrote the complete book of magic and witchcraft was named Catherine Paulson. Catherine Paulson. Huh. Mm. Wow, I don't know that one. I'm, I'm going to have to have to buy this one. I will post it after the show. It's from a company called Pentacle Press, so it's pretty damn old. Oh. Yeah. So, and yeah, so it's, it's not through a big press too. It would be through like a small independent press. Yeah. It says, New American Library publishes Signet, Mentor, Classic, Plume, and Null books. Okay. So, yeah, and the, they published a lot of stuff. The um, it says the, the 
the Bet Man Archive. And underneath that it says, A Modern Practitioner's Manual of Magic, Witchcraft, and Sorcery with all the ancient recipes, spells, and incantations essential to the black arts. Holy crap. Excuse me. I told you it was like $7. No, 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 no. I bought it at Alexander's, which was a big department store a million years ago, and I spent $0.95. Cents. I'll show you later. It's hilarious. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and now they want an arm and a leg for a copy of it. I'm like, really? <laughs> wow. So, I mean, I guess it was it wound up being significant at some point. But, I mean, when you're a kid looking for witchcraft books and there is no such thing as online and there is no such thing as an occult section in the library, even in New York uh, back then, you know, you, you take what you can get. We're so lucky now that we have all this access to write different types of writers and, and all this information. But back when I was young... We didn't have any of that. We had none of this access. It's kind of incredible. Every, yeah, every once in a while I, I will come upon somebody who laments how terrible witchcraft books are today. You know, it's like back in my day, witchcraft books were good. And I'm like, no, they weren't good no. in the 60s. No, they weren't. There were a few, there were some good ones in the 70s, but the amount of good ones could be, you know, you could, you could add that up on two hands. You know, really, right yeah. now we live in this golden age of publishing, and Llewellyn published a lot of bad things in the 90s, and there are some people who still can't get over that. They're like, well, all Llewellyn books are garbage. I'm like, no, they have footnotes no, in them now. Not. It's completely different. Um, but people like to complain about books for whatever reason. You know, people, people like, like to, to complain, complain about, about everything. everything. Yeah. It's human nature. It sucks. <laughs> I don't like that part. <laughs> I mean, there are probably a thousand witchcraft books released every year now in some way or another. I mean, most of them are probably not through, you know, an established press, but even through the established presses, there's probably over 100 that come out every year. I mean, Llewellyn, Weiser, you've got, you know, big publishing houses like Simon & Schuster publishing witchcraft books, and then you've got some of the smaller independent they turn out beautiful books with limited print runs of 100 or 200, like three-hand mm-hmm. press and those sort of things. This is like a true golden age. There's, if you want it, it's out there. Like whatever information you want is pretty much there. Oh, yeah, living, living now. If I, had, if I had first been coming up now, it would have been a totally different experience with all the access. It's so great now. I mean, I'm not saying yeah. everything that's – is golden, but a lot of it is. A lot of it's better than the information we were getting in the 70s. I mean, and that's really just the truth. And I have nothing but respect for the people who were, you know, the forerunners and, and, you know, paving the way as it were. But by the same token, you know, a lot of it was based in, well, all writing, I guess, is based on the prejudices of whoever's making the, the book itself. But you know, when you have limited people writing to begin with, you know, it's it's a narrow field. You know, I think this is why a lot of Gardnerians and Wiccans in general get so much shit, you know, because we were taught the way we were taught, you know. 
I'm, I'm a gardener, and most people don't give me shit for that. They give me shit for other things. You know, there's, there's so many different things that you can that you can shit on me for. So you know that one's at the bottom of the list. Really? It's usually it's usually Pathios that's up near the top. You know, that's if somebody's gonna oh. get mad at me about something, it's that one. So I don't get that. Why is that? You know, I I don't know. Sometimes, you know, there were Pathios was sold to a company a few years ago, and some people didn't like the company it was sold to, and mm-hmm. you know, it became like a crusade for I don't know maybe six or seven months online. Most of that subsided, but every once in a while, I'll come upon somebody who, you know, just doesn't like me because I'm Pathios Pagan, and you know, Pathios Pagan is a free site. You're free to mm-hmm. read it or not read it. Doesn't you know matter to me? I want you to be happy in your life. You know, so it just seems mm-hmm. like something really silly to be upset about. There's you know lots of different things to read and lots of different things to do. Um, I think there's a lot of great writers at Pathios Pagan. I'm pretty proud yeah. of it. But, sure. Yeah. Or somebody would be like, oh, you're a Pathios Pagan blogger. You're one of those stuck-up bloggers. I'm like, what? what? These are people like, that don't know you, obviously. I'm like, no one's reading. Just like your blog, no one's reading mine either. It's fine. Jeez. Oh, Jason. Oh, my God. No, I don't think that's quite true, actually, but... Uh, I think Pratio's Pagan is pretty damn popular. I know it's in my newsfeed every day. So, you know, I like to think I have semi good taste. So, I'm thankful you not to touch my taste. Uh. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I will be better in the future, I promise. No, you don't. <laughs> I know you better than that. Forget it. <laughs> no, but seriously, I, you know, there's no such thing as too many opinions, you know. I mean, not everything that's out there being written is fabulous. It's not supposed to be, you know. Different people advance at different times for different reasons, and, you know, some people are not ready to hear certain things until they're ready to hear them, and that's just the way it is. But it's always better to have more choices, not less. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, really, to me, I've always thought that blogs – and articles online were about the start of conversations, not the end of conversations. And, you know, some people read an article, like, you know, I'm somebody who will write a listicle now and again. I'm I'm proud of it. You know, like, here are the 25 most important books in the history of modern witchcraft. And somebody will be like, well, that's completely wrong, and you're wrong. And I'm like, well, that's great. Why don't you write your own version of it and share what mm-hmm. you think? Because I would be fascinated by that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And never to be heard from again are these people. <laughs> Often, you know, I mean, but writing blog or doing a podcast or whatever, I think it's much harder than people think it is. And oh, yeah. it takes up a lot of time and energy, and yeah. not everybody has the bandwidth for it. That's very true. Yeah. You know, I mean, but again, more choices are better than not enough choices. In my day, we didn't have enough choices, you know. 
And I'm glad to see more choices. I'm glad to see more pagans, you know. I don't have to read everything that comes out by everyone who's a writer to know that, listen, I'm not going to love everything. That's fine. I don't, I'm not supposed to, you know. It's for someone else. Everything, you know, it goes back to that me, 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 me shit. It's like, no, baby, everything is not for you. <laughs> it's not supposed to be for you. And that's yeah. supposed to be okay, you know? But I don't know. People are very narcissistic, and they think everything is about them sometimes. But, yeah, I'm just kind of over the whole, you know, it should, everything should be for everybody. Nah, not really. Yeah. I mean, especially paganism. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's just, you know, it's easier to scroll past something than wind yourself up about somebody else's opinions, the way they do things, you know, like, like I, and I've used this example before, and I, I think I got it from um, Vincent Russo, um, but it was about glitter, using glitter in, in your spell work. You know, a lot of people have serious friggin' opinions of, oh, you can't use glitter, you can't do this, you can't do that. And that's why. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. But if that's what helps somebody to get to that point, why do you care? You know, why are you so invested in somebody else's working? That's what I don't understand. Do your thing. Yeah, the, the witch wars online... You know, like you're doing oh. it wrong or your yours isn't as old as mine is and all those kind of things. Like what somebody else does as a witch does not impact me as a witch, so I don't see why mm-hmm. I should have to care about it all the time. Right? It just it seems like a waste of energy trying to police other people's practices. Yeah. It's a very it's a very Christian attitude I find. You know, Christians love to tell you what you should and shouldn't be able to do in your life. And unfortunately, a lot of pagans do the same fucking thing. And I find it quite annoying. But, okay. Yeah. You know? It's it's probably the the environment we grow up in, right? I mean, a lot of us grew up in Christian households. So maybe we just take that baggage with us. Yeah. Both of my parents were pastors. So, I mean, if anybody's got the baggage, it would be me, but I think that maybe is the reason why I'm so anti it, as it were, because I was raised in the, you know, in the church by two pastors. Wow. Yeah. That's a memoir. (laughs) No, really, it's not. (laughs) A witch? No, it could, like, like between two ferns, you could be between two pastors. Oh well, here's the, here's the thing. That's it. First of all, good one. Second of all, my mother started off as a witch, not as a pastor. So it's she did the whole reversal thing. I, I don't get it. Oh wow. But, uh, yeah, it's a mess. Evangelical. <laughs> oh yes, honey. Yeah. Yes. I think there's Pentecost. I think there's. I think there. Yeah, Pentecostal. I think there's more similarities there than people think there are. Because, like, you go to, like, a Pentecostal church service or whatever, you know, they're speaking in tongues and they've got their hands in their air, you know, waving them around. 
that energy is yep. a lot like being in circle with other witches. It's a lot more yep. of a judgmental energy. It's, it doesn't yep. make me feel good, but I can say yep. that it's there. I mean, it's a direct religious experience, and that's one of the things that I think for especially Wiccan witches, you know, the, mm-hmm. the religious part of witchcraft. I mean, I think that's something they're looking for is that experience, that direct connection to the divine. To the divine. And I think you kind of get that in the Pentecostal way. You know, that they're not as far away as we think they are. But, you know. Well, I, I would, and I would actually say that in the reverse, that, it, you know, we're not as far away from them as they want to think. And, yes. <laughs> and you know, this is one of the things. My mother is still alive and still a pastor and still, you know, very upset that I am who I am. She's still not over it. And I'm like, I didn't have the calling to change like you did. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. You know, and when we were talking before about, you know, the chip is in the vaccine, my mother is the one who told me that, which is so antithetical to who she was when I was growing up, you know. It's like you you were the biggest fucking spellcaster in the world before you change. What the hell? But yeah, she, you know, like uh, some women of her age did, they followed a man, and the man said, we're going this way, and she fell in line. So that is the story of her. There you go. But wow. unfortunate, but true. You know, you give over your power like that, what do you expect? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's not good when people just hand it over like that. You don't have to do that. You can hold out for something that is more suitable to your person. It is possible. I don't know. Let me stop that speech right now before I get my <laughs> ass in trouble. <laughs> we are down. I know. We are down to yeah. five minutes, Mr. Jason. So if okay. you have some promotion to do. Let's get her done. What do you got going on class-wise? And, you know, when can we expect the new release again? And, you know, where can we find you if we need you? So the the new podcast is called Witches, Whiskey, and Wit. And I can Ooh. promise one of those three things every Thursday night at 8 Eastern. Um, maybe I'll, I'll definitely – I might have a witch on. I'll definitely be drinking whiskey during the show, and sometimes I'm funny. So you, at least you get one of those three things every week. And <laughs> so that's that's also on Blog Talk Radio, and that's at 8 awesome. Eastern, awesome. 5 Pacific on Thursdays. The two new books, there's in September, I'm releasing mm-hmm. Llewellyn's Little Book of Yule, and I know how far away Yule feels right now, but it's a – my kind of Yuletide slash Christmas book. It's not a witch book. It's a magical book, so it has a lot of different things in it. It's not necessarily met exclusively for witches, though I'm sure most witches will get shit out of it. That comes out in September because, you know, if if you're starting your Christmas decorations early, I guess it's the right time. And then the Horned God of the Witches book comes out in spring of 2021, you know, it's these things take forever. And I can be found online at the blog Raise the Horns at Patheos Pagan. If you Google Jason Mankey, I'm like the first thing that you find. If you go deeper, 
into Googling Jason Mankey, there's a preacher with my name. And I always kind of feel bad for him and then kind of not. You know what this thing is? It's all. (laughs) So, Jason, do you have any upcoming, like, actual events that might be in the new year? Did anything of yours get pushed out to them? Right now, I still have an event on the books in Iowa in October, the uh-huh. uh, Iowa City Metaphysical Fair, I think. We'll see if that still happens. Right now, Convocation in Detroit is still on the books, and that's in February of 2021. I'm hoping mm-hmm. that that will still happen. You know, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of groups have, you know, we'll, we wanted you in 2020. We're going to have you back in 2021. We'll see if that happens. I'm not sure. My wife and I are supposed to go to England in September, mm-hmm. October, and yeah. that looks less and less likely. So what I get to do depends on, to a large degree, on when we reschedule that trip. Right, so, yeah. Yeah. A lot of, lot of variables, mm. a lot of unknowns right now. Yeah. But, well, you know. Jason, as always, you're wonderful. Thank you so much for coming back on. Hey, yeah. anytime. I love talking to the two of you. This is easy. This is like <laughs> doesn't. It's not. A, certainly, doesn't feel like a job by any means. This is just a. This is just great. Thank you. Awesome. Th- oh and uh, thankfully, thanks. you're not on Zoom because I'm just sitting here in my underwear. So this is fantastic. <laughs> oh, See, this would have been I, the perfect time to Zoom. Now I'm mad. Yeah. I'm still in my pajamas. I need to take a shower. It no Zoom is not happening. <laughs> I mean, you are missing out on the Batman boxer shorts. I mean, that's worth of you know crying about. But other than that, okay. you're really not missing much. We, we may need a picture of those, but we won't force you on the Zoom. <laughs> mm. Anyway, all right, my love, we will talk to you about um, rebooking for your book release, and thank you again so much. Our love to Ari, stay safe, Uh, blessings to you both, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, thank you both. Blessed be. Thank you. Blessed be. Blessed be. All right, so let's let's take a break before we get to our next show. We will be back at 3 o'clock with Miss Sharon Knight. So excited. Jason Mankey is wonderful. He can be found on Patheos Pagan and on Facebook on his author page. Check it out. And we will see you at 3. Yep. Go get some lunch. Bye, guys. Get some lunch. Bye, guys.